European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 43, Issue 32, Focus Issue, Arrhythmias, by Editor-in-Chief, Professor Filippo Crea, read to you by Morgan Bryan. The Challenge of Predicting Sudden Cardiac Death, The Complementary Role of Risk Scores, Genetic Testing, and Clinical Judgment. This focus issue on arrhythmias contains the state-of-the-art review article entitled Electromechanical Reciprocity and Arrhythmogenesis in Long QT Syndrome and Beyond by Katja Ordening and colleagues from the University of Bern in Switzerland. The authors note that an abundance of literature describes physiological and pathological determinants of cardiac performance, building on the principles of excitation-contraction coupling. However, the mutual influence of excitation-contraction and mechanoelectrical feedback in the beating heart, here designated electromechanical reciprocity, remains poorly recognized clinically, despite the awareness that external and cardiac-internal mechanical stimuli can trigger electrical responses and arrhythmia. This review focuses on electromechanical reciprocity in the long QT syndrome, or LQTS, historically considered a purely electrical disease, but now appreciated as a paradigmatic for the understanding of mechanoelectrical contributions to arrhythmogenesis in this and other cardiac conditions. Electromechanical dispersion in LQTS is characterized by heterogeneously prolonged ventricular repolarization in addition to altered contraction duration and relaxation. Mechanical alterations may deviate from what would be expected by global and regional repolarization abnormalities. Pathological repolarization prolongation outlasts mechanical systole in patients with LQTS, yielding a negative electromechanical window, or EMW, which is most pronounced in symptomatic patients. The electromechanical window is a superior and independent arrhythmia risk predictor compared with the heart rate-corrected QT. A negative EMW implies that the ventricle is deformed by volume loading during the rapid filling phase when repolarization is still ongoing. This creates a sensitized electromechanical substrate in which inadvertent electrical or mechanical stimuli such as local after-depolarizations, after-contractions or dyssynchrony can trigger abnormal impulses. Increased sympathetic nerve activity and pause-dependent potentiation further exaggerate electromechanical heterogeneities, promoting arrhythmogenesis. Unraveling electromechanical reciprocity advances the understanding of arrhythmia formation in various conditions. Real-time image integration of cardiac electrophysiology and mechanics offers new opportunities to address challenges in arrhythmia management. In a second state-of-the-art review article entitled Implantable Defibrillators in Primary Prevention of Genetic Arrhythmias, a Shocking Choice, Domenico Corrado and colleagues from the University of Padova Medical School in Italy point out that many previously unexplained life-threatening ventricular arrhythmias and sudden cardiac deaths, or SCDs, in young individuals are now recognized to be genetic in nature and are ascribed to a growing number of distinct inherited arrhythmogenic diseases. These include hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, 
arrhythmogenic cardiomyopathy, LQTS, Brugada syndrome, catecholaminergic polymorphic ventricular tachycardia, or VT, and short QT syndrome. Because of their lower frequency compared with coronary disease, risk factors for SCD are not very precise in patients with inherited arrhythmogenic diseases. As randomized studies are generally not feasible and may even be ethically unjustifiable, especially in the presence of effective therapies, the risk assessment of malignant arrhythmic events such as SCD, cardiac arrest due to ventricular fibrillation, or VF, appropriate implantable cardioverter defibrillator, or ICD interventions, or ICD therapy on fast VT stroke VF to guide ICD implantation, is based on observational data and expert consensus. In this document, the authors review risk factors for SCD and indications for ICD implantation and additional therapies. What emerges is that allowing for some important differences between cardiomyopathies and channelopathies, there is a growing and disquieting trend to create and then use semi-automated systems, risk scores, risk calculators, and to some extent even guidelines, which then dictate therapeutic choices. The common denominator is a tendency to favour ICD implantation, sometimes with reason, sometimes without it. This contrasts the time-honoured approach of selecting, among the available therapies, the best option, ICDs included, based on the clinical judgement for the specific patient and after having assessed the protection provided by optimal medical treatment. Arrhythmogenic right ventricular cardiomyopathy, or ARVC, causes ventricular arrhythmias, or VAs, and SCD. In 2019, a risk prediction model that estimates the five-year risk of incident VAs in ARVC was developed. See URL arvcrisk.com. In a clinical research article, Arrhythmic Risk Prediction in Arrhythmogenic Right Ventricular Cardiomyopathy, External Validation of the Arrhythmogenic Right Ventricular Cardiomyopathy Risk Calculator, Paloma Jorda and colleagues from the Université de Montréal in Canada aim to externally validate this prediction model in a large international multicenter cohort and to compare its performance with the risk factor approach recommended for ICD use by published guidelines and expert consensus. In a retrospective cohort of 429 individuals from 29 centres in North America and Europe, 103, or 24%, experienced sustained VA during a median follow-up of five years following diagnosis of ARVC. External validation yielded good discrimination, C-index of 0.70, and a calibration slope of 1.01. .01. Compared with the three published consensus-based decision algorithms for ICD use in ARVC, Art Rhythm Society Consensus on Arrhythmogenic Cardiomyopathy, International Task Force Consensus Statement on the Treatment of ARVC, and American Heart Association Guidelines for VA and SCD, the risk calculator performed better with a superior net clinical benefit below a risk threshold of 35%. The authors conclude that using a large independent cohort of patients, this study shows that the ARVC risk model provides good prognostic information and outperforms other published decision algorithms for ICD use. These findings support the use of the model 
to facilitate shared decision-making regarding ICD implantation in the primary prevention of SCD in ARVC. In a clinical research article entitled Importance of Genotype for Risk Stratification in Arrhythmogenic Right Ventricular Cardiomyopathy Using the 2019 ARVC Risk Calculator Alexandros Protonarios and colleagues from University College London in the UK studied the impact of genotype on the performance of the 2019 risk model for ARVC. The study cohort comprised 554 patients with a definite diagnosis of ARVC and no history of sustained VA. During a median follow-up of six years, 100 patients, or 18%, experienced the primary VA outcome, sustained VT, appropriate ICD intervention, aborted sudden cardiac arrest, or SCD, corresponding to an annual event rate of 2.6%. Risk estimates for VA using the 2019 ARVC risk model showed reasonable discriminative ability, but with overestimation of risk. The ARVC risk model was compared in four gene groups. PKP2, N equaling 118 or 21%, Desmoplakin or DSP, N equaling 79 or 14%, other desmosomal, N equaling 59 or 11%, and gene elusive, N equaling 160 or 29%. Discrimination and calibration were highest for PKP2, and lowest for the gene-elusive group. Univariable analyses revealed the variable performance of individual clinical risk markers in the different gene groups, e.g. right ventricular dimensions and systolic function are significant risk markers in PKP2, but not in DSP patients, and the opposite is true for left ventricular systolic function. Protonotarius et al. conclude that the 2019 ARVC risk model performs reasonably well in gene-positive ARVC, particularly for PKP2, but is more limited in gene-elusive patients. Genotypes should be included in future risk models for ARVC. The two contributions by Protonotarius and Jorda are linked to a common editorial by Stella Ganjabach from the Petit Salpetria University Hospital in Paris, France, and Anina Vischer from the University Hospital Basel in Switzerland. Ganjabach and Vischer conclude that similarly to risk calculators proposed in other inherited cardiac diseases, the ARVC risk calculator is not a magic tool and should be used cautiously by clinicians. The calculator should only be used in patients with the classical right dominant form, fulfilling the 2010 ARVC criteria and clinicians should be aware of its limits, i.e. the possible risk of overestimation, low specificity for thresholds less than 15%, and lower performance in non-PKP2 mutation carriers and gene-negative patients. As no threshold has been validated to date, this score can only provide an estimation of the 5-year VA risk, which importantly is different from the SCD risk. ICD indications should remain a shared decision based not only on the results of the score but also on the overall evaluation of the patient. While most cardiac arrests occur in an older population with coronary artery disease, some occur in young and otherwise healthy individuals. 
In the latter group, diagnostic testing with electrocardiography and cardiac imaging may identify the cause of arrest, including heritable electrical and structural disorders. When a specific heritable diagnosis is established, genetic testing using targeted panels is recommended, mainly to facilitate family screening. In contrast, the role of genetic testing in the absence of a definite diagnosis of inherited arrhythmia and or cardiomyopathy is questionable, with concerns regarding cost and challenging interpretations of the genetic test results, especially for variants of uncertain significance. Current guidelines do not support the role of exploratory genetic testing in this context. In a clinical research article entitled Importance of Genetic Testing in Unexplained Cardiac Arrest, Stephanie Grandin and colleagues from the Université de Montréal in Canada assess the role of genetic testing in unexplained cardiac arrest, or UCA, using whole exome sequencing, or WES. A total of 228 UCA survivors, mean age at arrest 39 plus or minus 13 years, were included. The majority were males, 66%, and of European ancestry, 81%. Following advanced clinical testing at baseline, the likely etiology of cardiac arrest was determined in 21 of 228, or 9%, of cases. Whole exome sequencing identified a pathogenic or likely pathogenic, or P-LP, variant in 23 of 228, or 10%, of UCA survivors overall, increasing the proportion of explained cases from 9% only following phenotyping to 18% when combining phenotyping with WES. Notably, 13 or 57% of the 23 P-LP variants identified were located in genes associated with cardiomyopathy in the absence of a diagnosis of cardiomyopathy at the time of arrest. The authors conclude that genetic testing identifies a disease-causing variant in 10% of apparent UCA survivors. Most disease-causing variants were located in cardiomyopathy-associated genes, highlighting the arrhythmogenic potential of such variants in the absence of an overt cardiomyopathy diagnosis. The present study supports the use of genetic testing, including assessment of arrhythmia and cardiomyopathy genes, in survivors of UCA. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Elijah Baer from the University of London in the United Kingdom. Baer notes that the work by Grandin et al., coupled with others, further promotes the role for genetic testing implying that cardiomyopathy genes with robust disease associations should be included in gene panels, albeit with careful adjudication for variant pathogenicity. Furthermore, the systematic application of genetic testing in patients suffering UCA can be useful and should therefore be upgraded to Class 2A. Ultimately, their further utility will be realised when a P-LP variant is detected in the index case which can then be applied for predictive testing for diagnosis in family members and then their subsequent management. If genetic testing does not return such a finding, then clinical evaluation should still proceed in first-degree relatives of sudden arrhythmic death syndrome descendants. The evidence supporting a role for clinical evaluation of relatives of a UCA survivor without signs of genetic heart disease is, however, weaker.
The challenge that awaits is to determine the causation of cases of UCA that remain unexplained despite the aforementioned clinical and genetic investigations. If there is a genetic basis, could it be polygenic? And how much risk is environmentally determined? This will require even larger cohorts with extensive genomic and clinical characterizations to tease out further and will be addressed by a unique European and international collaboration, the Gen UCA Investigators. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will be of interest to its listeners.